All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your spirit that you send to open our minds, to open our hearts, to make us capable to live to your honor and glory in this life. We pray, Lord, that spirit will speak to our hearts today that we might understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever done everything you can for the kingdom of God, or you're doing everything you can to be a faithful believer, or you've given your best to someone you love only to see everything fall apart? I mean, you're doing everything right, and yet everything falls apart. There's a part of us that wants to believe that this life is a transactional agreement between us and God. That if we do what we're supposed to do, nothing bad can happen. And we kind of tend to think the converse is true by implication that anyone to whom something bad happens must be doing something wrong. We're not the first to think that way. You go back to the Bible story when Jesus uh, and the disciples encounter the man born blind and their question is, who sinned, him or his parents, that this terrible thing happened? Do you remember Jesus' answer to that? He said, neither. This is so that the glory of God might be revealed. But we could be forgiven sometimes if we think bad behavior leads to bad outcome or or maybe bad behavior is too harsh of a word. Maybe we would say that there is a cause and effect to life, isn't there? I mean, for example, most free climbers don't die of old age. Obesity is directly linked with morbidity with COVID. Infidelity in marriage most times destroys the relationship. Constant speeding eventually results in lots of fines. Yet such thinking can often have a double negative effect on us. For one thing, we think, okay, I'm not going to do any of those dangerous things, and we try our best to do what we believe God is telling us to do, and then when things still don't quite work out for us, we can easily become discouraged, which results in our faith being shaken God, don't you see I'm doing everything right? In addition, sometimes our response is to say to ourselves, well, obviously doing things God's way doesn't guarantee success, so why bother? I'm going to go do whatever I want. And then, in the end, we end up paying a bigger price when the consequences roll on us for poor decisions. It's not wrong to encounter such times of crisis in our faith journey. Everybody does because we're not yet in the kingdom where the results of sin no longer break and destroy our hopes and our dreams. And if you haven't learned this lesson yet, let, me t let today be your warning. Things don't always go according to plan. Anybody learned that? Yeah, I've learned that. Even when you do everything right. And when our hopes and our plans fail, we feel loss. And if you're like me, you don't like feeling loss. And 
the knowledge that loss is a possibility leads to fear. So again, if you're like me, you try really hard to make sure loss doesn't happen. And sometimes your effort to make sure loss doesn't happen crimps your life or, or makes you impossible to be around or it steals your joy. And then still in the end, the thing you're trying to prevent happens anyway. You can be forgiven for feeling despairing sometimes, but what will you do at those times? We're in a series of sermons that, where we're wrestling with Jesus' call to us to be not afraid. We started out by talking about the story of Jesus in the boat, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. You can follow along in the Bible in front of you if you want. I'm reading out of that translation. Matthew chapter 8. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Can we have faith to be not afraid in our day when pandemics sweep the land and political turmoil surrounds everything and some are saying doomsday is here because of climate change and the president suggests we're as close to Armageddon as during the Cuban Missile Crisis? Can we hear news and still be not afraid? There was another man one time whose life was quite remarkable. But then something happened that normally we would say is a very good thing. But after it, his life began to fall apart. I'm talking about John the Baptist. He was kind of a wild man. He lived out in the desert. He dressed like Elijah. He came telling everyone even the people who thought they were good, that they needed to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's important for us to know that the, the message to repent is always fresh and true. We always need it. He was regarded as a prophet by the people, and he had a huge impact, and then came his big day. You see, all of those other ministry things he, were doing, he was doing were fantastic, but he really was sent for one main purpose. And that big day was the day when he met, met Jesus and baptized Jesus. And afterward, he would say, this is the reason I came, that everyone would know that here is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And this, this glorious ministry that he had built, built up to this day, and he baptized Jesus, and immediately after that, everything began to fall apart for him. Think about that. On the day he met Jesus, everything started to fall apart. That's not how it's supposed to be. Pretty soon, some of his disciples went with Jesus. Pretty soon, Jesus, or at least his disciples, were baptizing more than John was. John knew this was going to happen. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. But did he understand 
what decrease was going to mean? Did he know that his convictions would eventually land him in prison? It seems that in those hours while John wasted away, doubt began to creep into his mind like it does in ours. When our life doesn't keep going this way, it starts kind of going this way. We find the story in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Wouldn't you kind of wonder if you were John, why, if this really is the Messiah, why isn't he rescuing me from my ordeal? Doesn't he know what an asset I can be? Doesn't he know the credibility I've built up? Doesn't he know what I could do for him? Why is he leaving me here? But that's the thing. We never really can see the biggest picture. The one that is the eternal working of God. The one we can only lay hold of by faith. Not sight. The one that lead, led Job to say, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. It's hard to see that picture. But just because we can't always see the biggest picture doesn't mean that we can see nothing. Matthew 11, verse 4, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You see, Jesus knows that it's hard for us to understand sometimes. And as a result, we can easily become afraid in this life. But here's the question. Have you seen enough of the goodness of God to still believe even when hardship comes? Hear that song we sang? Blessed be your name. We sang that at the beginning. And it talks about when everything's good, blessed be your name. But it also says, but blessed be your name even when it isn't. Are we mature enough to live like this? Have you seen enough of the goodness of God to believe that God is still good and has your best in mind even when your life is falling apart? Is there a part of your heart that can hear the voice of the Spirit calling you saying, keep trusting Jesus. I don't know where you are right now in your life, but maybe you're in the middle of this crisis and you need to hear that voice of the Spirit today says, keep trusting Jesus. He will make all things new. Can you find the courage in the promises even if the realities aren't here yet? Matthew 11, verse 7. As the disciples of John went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? 
Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now that last part is particularly profound and we do not have time to spend on that today. But let me just say this about it. I believe that this is saying every one of us who has the privilege of starting after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus starts at the point beyond which John himself had the privilege of reaching. We stand on his shoulders. It's because of his work and all the rest of the Old Testament prophets and all those who went before that led to the time of Jesus puts us in the position that those of us who live after the fulfillment of all the prophecy in Jesus start above where they were ever privileged to even be. It says many before longed to look into these things but could not. Yet we start there. But for today, note this. Jesus considers John to be a great man and God's appointed servant who has done God's will. Yet this truth is not enough to make it right for Jesus to go rescue John from the peril of this life. But you see, Jesus knows this life is not all John will have. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The promise of Jesus goes beyond this life. Jesus made this all clear enough in a warning to us. He also covers that warning with encouragement. He talks about the life we're going to live, John 16, I have said these things to you that you that in me you may have peace. Now here it is. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has a plan to put everything in your life back to better than it was. We just have to trust him. Isaiah 35, verse 1, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Has your life felt like a wilderness sometimes? The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Has it felt dry? It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. So if this is true, and this is a, a metaphorical version of the promise that God will make all things new, if this is true, what should we do? 
verses 3 and 4. Strengthen the weak hands. There's a couple of ways we could look at this. We could look at it within our own hearts. If, if our, our faith is failing and our grip on Jesus has become, has become weak, then, then we ask the Spirit to strengthen our resolve. That could be a personal thing that we could do ourselves. But there's another way to look at this. We could strengthen the weak hands of those around us. By speaking faith, not doubt. By speaking hope, not fear. By being there for them in their moment of crisis and despair. And when it's a good time, reminding them of the faithfulness of Jesus. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees the same idea say to those who have an anxious heart be strong fear not behold your God comes with vengeance with the recompense of God he will come and save you he's coming to set it right he's coming to put an end to abuse an end to cruelty an end to hatred. He's going to put a stop to it. This is a promise. Can you find courage to live in this promise? That even when things fall apart around you, like they did for John, you can have hope in your heart? Jesus told John's disciples to report to John what they saw. And what they saw is actually predicted in part here in this passage, Isaiah 35, verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf, uns of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. We must, I believe, hang on to hope, hang on to faith, Hang on to the promises of our God. He has given us enough evidence that we might believe and that we might be able to hang on in those hours of darkness. For even when our walk takes us through the valley of the shadow of death, that is not our end. For we are eternally protected by the one who walked the valley before us and overcame death with his resurrection. Instead for us, the valley of the shadow of death can become something else. It can become a different kind of trail. Isaiah 35 verse 8, and a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall not belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. And let me tell you, I find great confidence in that statement. Jesus' plan is so good that even my idiocy is not going to ruin me. 
because he's going to keep leading me. No, no, not there, this way. No, come on, this way. Let's go, let's go. He's going to keep leading me. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. It might look like you're on the same road as everyone else, but you can know that the trials, the waves, the storms, the pain, these are the passing shadows for those who follow the way, the truth, and the life. For those who keep their eyes on Jesus. I invite the band to come back up and to lead us in our songs. John the Baptist would not be released from prison. Instead, he would die there in fulfillment of a sick pledge made in haste by a vile ruler. But that's not the last word for John. Yes, he had to decrease so that Jesus could increase. You see, the days of the Old Testament prophets was over. And I, I, that's what I think about John the Baptist. I don't, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He just happened to appear in the New Testament. And you see, the Old Covenant was coming to an end in Jesus. And, and it could not go beyond there. And as the last of the Old Testament prophets, he had to pass with the first covenant. Because it would be a bigger picture that would be hard for John to see, but a picture he will understand one day. What day is that, you say? Isaiah 35, verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the promised day. This is why we can be not afraid. Not because there's no danger, there's danger. Not because there's no storms, storms are guaranteed. Not because all is well around us. No, there's trouble. We're not afraid because we believe the promise of Jesus who says, John 14, 1 to 3, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Find your courage today in the only one who is worthy of your faith, worthy of your trust, worthy of your hope. His name is Jesus. Sing to him now.